Let's continue with our study on apocalyptic literature. Today we want to look at um, certain symbols that you may always perhaps come across as well as you read the book of Isaiah and the book of Revelation. And it's the word halot or, or prostitute. Halot. Whore. That's W-H-O-R-E. Or prostitute. It's the same thing, but a halot is the same thing as a whore or a prostitute. Is that okay? Right. You find that the Bible uses this language. So the point is, what is it exactly that the Bible is referring to when you talk about whores or prostitutes? What is he talking about? That's what we want to examine this evening. Amen? Now, let's take a text which we look into, but let's look at Revelation chapter 17. Revelation 17. Let me just read that first and then begin to explain from other uh, passages. Revelation 17 verse 1. The Bible says, And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vows, and talked with me, saying, Come unto me. Come hither, and I will show you the judgment of the great hall, or harlot, that seated upon many waters. I'm sure for those of us who are regular in this meeting, you understand what waters means. Waters means people. Amen. And then verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman seated upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and colored scarlet, or scarlet colored, and dealt with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abomination and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the great, Mystery Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth. Amen. Now, commonly, this passage is interpreted, and in my years of study as well, uh, as I was following on, uh, we're made to understand that it is speaking of the Roman Catholic Church, and which has to do with the Roman Empire. But diligent study is revealing something completely different from that. Amen. The first thing is, as we begin to study, you're going to understand something that when you talk about harlotry, it has to do basically with somebody who is married. When you want to begin to look at it from scriptures, which is part of what we're going to see. But for us to go there, remember he said, Mystery Babylon. So let's first define the word Babylon. Okay? 
Let's take a look at the word Babylon. So, and uh, we're probably going to look at this from uh, the Old Testament, as the case may be. But the cool thing is, any time you read the word Babylon, it really means an evil nation. The word Babylon itself means confusion. But in prophetic language, Babylon means an evil nation. Alright? Praise the living God. So we're going to look at a few scriptures along this line. And then we see. For instance, let's go down to the book of Isaiah chapter... 21 verse 9. Isaiah 21 verse 9. Taking it from the Old Testament in relation to what we're dealing with tonight. It says, Babylon is falling. It's falling. And all the graven images of her gods yet broken onto the ground. Amen. Now, this is actually referring to literal Babylon. You can go back to Isaiah chapter 13. If you take your time to begin to read down, you see the judgment that was going to come to Babylon. This is basically the literal city or the literal empire of Babylon. Which became a type, it's just like you talk about the lamb in the Old Testament. The lamb is a person in the New Testament. So we have what we call types and shadows. Amen? Now this is literal Babylon. And Babylon itself was considered to be one of the great cities and its walls. In terms of ancient cities in the world. And it was such a pagan and evil city. It was full of idolatry, full of heavy moral corruption, full of witchcraft, temples built for prostitutes. I mean, all manner of evil and vices was found in Babylon. So when you're talking about Babylon from the literal city, you're describing a whole realm of evil and corruption, wickedness. Hallelujah. Like I said, they even have temples built for prostitutes that they were staying to worship gods. They were more or less like goddesses, as the case may be. So this image of a degraded and decadent nature was used directly in the prophetic languages of Apocalypse to represent an evil nation. You can look at uh, other translations and other scriptures along that line. But one thing again is, if you remember, if you look at First Peter chapter, uh, I think 5 verse 13, you find that Peter actually went to Babylon. And that is why there is a lot of confusion when people talk about Peter being the first pope in Rome. That is not accurate because Peter has never been in Rome. He never went to Rome. Okay? 
It was Paul that truly went to Rome. But Peter was in Babylon. He went to Babylon. And he went to Babylon because after the destruction and all that went on, there were remnants of Jewish Christians in Babylon. So you find that in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 13. So Peter went there to visit these people. Hallelujah. That is after all that must have taken place. Remember the prophetic word said, Babylon is falling, is falling, that great city. That's the key thing I'm trying to make you see. This is when he really lost his power, as the case may be. He came down. But then we have Christian believers, as at that time also, and that made Peter to visit Babylon. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, you go down to a New Testament. Let's look at the book of Revelation 14. I just want us to be fast a little bit because uh, we have more to say on the issue of prostitution. Revelation 14, verse 8. Now, you see the same language that Isaiah used is what John began to use here. And he said, Babylon is falling, is falling, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The anger of her fornication. Amen? And like I said before, Babylon represents evil nations. Corrupt nations. Praise the living God. So here symbolically is being used to represent the Jewish nation. Revelation 14 is actually talking about the Jewish nation. What I mean to say is when we read about Babylon in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, I'm going to prove that to you, you find that it's talking about the Jewish nation. Amen? Praise the living God. So, here we find that John was speaking symbolically, using this word for the Jewish nation. He sees Jerusalem is a kind of a picture of the great prostitute and names, names it Babylon, just like you can find there. Now, let's get on to chapter 18. Let's get on to chapter 18, verse number 9. The Bible said, this Babylon made the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her, shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, Allah, that great city of Babylon, that mighty city for a one hour is a judgment come. Hallelujah. Now, there's a problem. First of all, we have people who says the book of Revelation is to be fulfilled in the future. So the question is, which Babylon is falling? Hallelujah. That's a big question that we need to answer. If we think Revelation must have to be fulfilled in the future. Which Babylon is falling? Is it that the Babylon of old is going to be resurrected? So we find that this is a prophetic language referring to a particular nation that have gone into corruption from the state of purity that that nation was supposed to have. And that is the Jewish nation. Hallelujah. When you talk about the kings of the earth, 
in terms of what we're speaking about, it's not you're talking about maybe the king in London, the king in somewhere else, or maybe in Africa. I think we can name few nations today that have kings. Uh, most of them are now democratic settings, so presidents. So which kings should we be thinking about? That's the question. Otherwise, we want to limit it to Africa, where you still have some kings in certain localities. But the point is, the kings of the earth here, actually, were the religious and political leaders of Judea. Amen? They stand to witness of the terrible destruction that the nation was facing. And so they cried out, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city for in one hour is that judgment come. You can find the same picture in chapter 11, verse number 3. And this is also very interesting, so we need to read chapter 11, verse 3 of the book of Revelation. Something very interesting that you see here. Here the word says, And I will give power unto my two witnesses. And they shall prophesy. Are you there with me, Revelation 3? And they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Now, let me just say something here very briefly. In passing as well. You know, when I was young in the faith, I was told this is going to be the resurrection of Moses and Elijah. Because of the power that they demonstrated in their ministry. But that is not true. Hallelujah. I will make you see that right now. But number one, when you talk about two olive trees or two witnesses, if you look at Deuteronomy 17, just write it down, verse number 6, the Bible says, At the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every case be established. Right? And then if you read Zechariah 4, from verse 1 to 6, you find that the two olive trees that God was speaking about in Zechariah 4 has to do with Joshua and Zerubbabel. So Joshua and Zerubbabel, these two people represent the two olive trees in the book of Zechariah. So he's talking about two offices, the kings and priests. Amen? He's talking about the kings and the priests. He's talking about the apostle and the prophets. Because the Bible says the church is built upon the foundation of the apostle and the prophet, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. These are the two witnesses that are standing on the throne of God before the face of God on the face of the earth. The apostle and the prophets. Joshua and Zerubbabel. Are you there with me? The priest and the king. That nothing to do with resurrection of Moses and Elijah. Some days to come. Go to verse 5. Revelation 25. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceeded out of their mouth and devour their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, then he must be, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, and it rain on in the days of the prophecy. And our power over waters to turn them to blood and to smell the earth with all plagues as often as the will. This is why they said it's like Elijah and Moses. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast shall be ascended out of the bottomless pit, shall make war against them, and shall overcome them and kill them. 
And the dead body shall be lie, lie in the, now begin to follow now. The dead body shall lie in the street of that great city which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified. Question. Was Jesus crucified in Egypt? Hallelujah. Was he crucified in Sodom? Now what does Sodom and Egypt represent? Evil. You get the picture now. Sodom was a realm of corruption. Egypt was the realm of bondage. And if I have to speak on this, it's like saying what we call the anointing or the power of God that Jesus was supposed to be assuming right now from the church is being corrupted by these filthy things. The Sodomite spirit and the spirit of bondage which is in the church. That's what he's talking about. Jesus was not crucified in Sodom. Neither was he crucified in Egypt. <laughs> but you know, Egypt was where the children of Israel were born in bondage. So we're talking about the spirit that brings the children of God into bondage. And the spirit that corrupts the children of God. And that you see is presently what is happening in mystery Babylon, which has to do also with the church. Because as it was with physical Jerusalem, even so it is with the present Jerusalem, which is the church. Are you still there with me? Now let, let me give you a typical example here. In uh, Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 10. Isaiah 1, verse number 10. Just to let you see, we are actually driving this home to the point that Mr. Babylon have to do with Jerusalem of old. The Jewish people. Look at Isaiah 1, verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of God, ye people of Gomorrah. Who was he talking to? He was talking to Jerusalem. He was talking to the leaders of Jerusalem. Amen? Are you there with me? Good. So here you find Isaiah used the word Sodom and Gomorrah to represent Jerusalem and the leadership. And this is the same picture that John was painting in the book of Revelation. When he said the Lord was killed in the city of Sodom and Egypt. So when we're talking about Babylon, Sodom, Egypt, Gomorrah, we're just referring to an evil nation. A community of wicked people that stands against the revelation of God's mind. Praise the living God. He's not talking about physical Sodom, physical Egypt, physical Babylon, whatever. No, he's representing the people. A collective people, a group of people. Whose mind is truly against the work of God, the revelation of God's mind. Praise the living God. And a context like we're dealing with, we're talking about the Jewish nation, prophetically speaking. So, but what I'm trying to make you understand is, when you talk about apocalyptic literature or writings, when you begin to read the word Babylon, it's not talking about a physical city, it's describing a nation that has come into corruption. Praise the Lord. So here we find that Jerusalem is symbolically named Sodom and Egypt. Book of Revelation, I could write Revelation 11. Is it clear to us? Amen? Okay. It means names of evil cities and lands of the past to indicate the evil the Jews have committed against God. That's what John was writing about. Praise the living God. 
So, those, those names, Sodom and Egypt, were figuratively used to describe the Jewish people and what they've done to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then to his body. How many of you understand that the church in its infant days, 20, the 21st century church, I mean, the, the 20th century church, 21st century or whatever name you want to pull that now, was truly being persecuted by the very Jewish people themselves. How many of you remember that? Good. Remember when Paul was picked up or arrested on the road to Damascus, Jesus asked a question. Why persecuted thou me? You remember that? Okay, now, Paul asked the question, Who are thou, Lord? He said, I am the Lord Jesus whom thou persecutest. But we know that Paul never slapped Jesus. And that is why people get it so confused when the Bible talks about the body of Christ. The body of Christ has nothing to do with one physical body that was going to land on the edge from the blues one day. The church is his body. And it's not mystical. It is it's as real as you are. Because Ephesians 2 tells us that he is the head of the body, which is the church. Paul was not by the good in one literal man. He was dealing with the church. And that was his body. Jesus said, that is me. Is that simple? So here we find that when the Jews were truly dealing with Christians, they were dealing with Jesus. That is why the Bible says, they killed him. In Sodom and... Egypt. Hallelujah. Okay. Now let's go down to the picture we have tonight. Time is really fast. Let's deal with the issue of halot. The word halot, like I said, is our main issue tonight. I'm only trying to define the word Babylon. But because Babylon is associated with halot tree. From what we read in the book of Revelation 17, verse 1 to 5. So, halot. Like again... When you begin to talk about the word hallowed, you're talking about a nation of faithfulness or apostasy to God. In other words, a nation that God has to himself that finally gets into apostasy. That is what you mean by hallowed. Most of what we read the Bible is not talking about literal hallowedry in the streets. It's talking about people who have become unfaithful. Is that okay? In terms of the covenant that they had with what? With God. I'm sorry to say the church today is actually getting into halotry because most of the doctrines and the things we practice are foreign to the mind of God for the New Testament people. And so we are actually practicing halotry on God. Amen? So, back again, you look at the book of Revelation 17, 1 to 5, and then verse 5 we talk about, and upon our forehead was a name written, Mr. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, abomination of the earth. Amen? Alright. Okay, now, let me pick this again from the Old Testament. I read from the NIV. Go to Isaiah 1, verse 21. Isaiah 1, verse 21. Dealing with the word harlots, or prostitution, or prostitute, or whore. As the case may be. Now verse 21, Isaiah 1. See how the faithful city has become a harlot. Who is he talking about? Jerusalem. Judea. Is it there? She once was full of justice, righteousness, 
used to dwell in her, but now murderers. I read from the NIV. But here he says, see how that faithful city has done what? Become a harlot. Did you get that? Remember, I'm trying to define for you what is harlotry. We say harlot in the Bible. In Apocalypse, write up who is a harlot. When John was writing of Babylon the Great, the mother of harlot, who was he talking about? It couldn't be Rome because Rome was not married to God. Does that make sense? <laughs> That's the point. So when you begin to interpret that to me, Rome, then of course you're confusing issues because Rome was not married to God. Jesus was not crucified in Rome. Does it make sense? Hallelujah. So the faithful city here we know is Jerusalem. We represented the Jewish nation. But it was no longer faithful to God. Look at what he said. See how that faithful city has become a hallowed. Very simple. Praise the living God. It became a hallowed because it turned into a kind of alliance with earthly kings, build relationship with other nations. That's why the Bible said, do not say confederacy to what they say, a confederacy. Don't join forces with other people to fight wars. Amen? So, the people of God turned away from faithfully following God and they turned into idolatry. And in that sense, the Bible says, they became what? A harlot. Are you there with me? Hallelujah. So the people have turned from the true worship of true God to worshiping idols, idolatry, outward in world, the spiritual idolatry. Whichever way. Idolatry is not just the things you see. It's also a thing of the heart. Are you there with me? Watch this. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, They that worship God will worship Him in spirit and in truth, because God is spirit. So the first place where worship begins is in the spirit, which is your spirit. Is that alright? Now, when your attention is turned more into something else, at the expense of God, you automatically become a harlot. You play harlot on God. Anything that takes your attention, don't forget, seek ye first the kingdom of God. First, in place, time and order. Anything that replaces that first thing, it's halotry. So it's not just a physical thing. It's both outward and inward. It's actually breaking our commitments to God in order to love something else. That's what halotry means. Breaking our commitments to God in order to love something else. Anytime Something takes the place of God. It just, you know, it takes your attention more than God. You are playing harlotry on God. And God is jealous. Praise the living God. Are you following this? 
I want you to understand because you see, as it was with Jerusalem, so it is even now with us. You try to examine yourself. You know the Bible said that first Corinthians, I'm sure. Say, examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Did he say so? What takes your attention? What holds your attention more? Where is your interest? Praise the Lord. Permit me to say this. When you exalt the devil more than God, you are playing harlotry on God. Is that alright? Okay. So let's move on. So Jesus described the people of his days as adulterous people. Let me show that to you in the book of Matthew. In the New Testament as well. Matthew chapter 12. Let's look at verse 39. Okay, let me start from 38. Let me start from 38. Matthew chapter 12 from verse 38. Praise the Lord. Look at what it says here. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we will see a sign from thee. <laughs> but he answered and said unto them, An evil and what? Adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall be no sign given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Did you get us? Hallelujah. Now they said, look, we want to see a sign to prove that you are the Messiah. And Jesus said, the only proof of what you are requesting for is that you are falling from faith. You are adulterous. You have become unfaithful. You are now faithless. We're looking for a sign you become faithless. Other translation uses the word faithlessness or faithless. Evil and faithless generation. So the word adulterous generation means faithless generation. You know the word? They want a sign before they believe. Are you there with me? Now I'm, I'm going to all of this for you to be able to see very simply what the word harlot means. In terms of apocalyptic writers. Praise the Lord. Now, let me show you something here. In Revelation 21. Revelation 21. Let me just read. Uh, let's look at, I think, verse 11. It will be okay. 21 verse 11. Then to 10. So... Here it says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of God from heaven. Now, what, what I'm trying to say here, or why I read this scripture, just to prove one thing. The church of Jesus Christ is the bride. Of Christ. Is that okay? And just as the early church, which is a Jewish nation, was once a bride. How many of you remember that God really married Israel in Exodus 19? Is that okay? She was once a bride. But this bride also 
got into what? Harlotry. Even so is the church today. Amen? Uh, I won't be able to tell you certain things that we see that are going on within the body of Christ. We've really gone into harlotry. Praise the Lord. Let's think about the speakers that come to speak to us. How many of you remember that even now we hire men who are professional speakers to come speak to the body of Christ? And I mean men who have no clue, one bit, about who Jesus is. That is the height of harlotry. Because we aim in our success. Is that alright? It's harlotry. It's the height of the move of Babylon within the church. I remember Maxwell speaking to me sometime. There's a man that invited him to go speak. He said when he gets to there to speak, let him not say praise the Lord and let him not say amen. By implication, don't bring in anything that has to do with the Bible. But that was a church setting. He says raising leaders. What kind of leaders are you raising? There are leaders and there are leaders. You can't be anything better than Jesus Christ as a leader. That was a man that took men who were the rejected of the society and make them mighty men. What other principle do you think you want to apply? Hallelujah. So the church is the bride. And the bride can commit fornication against the bridegroom. Is that okay? That is the holotry we read in the Bible. It's not something you tag on Rome. It's not something you tag on somebody. Listen, Israel had it and we can also have it. With the way we think, the things we do, the attention we give to the things of this world more than the things of God. And make us become harlots before God. Hallelujah. Let me see if I can give you a few more pictures. Um, if you take time to read the book of I, I mean, Ezekiel 16, you're going to see how God described the church, which is the first church, which is the, the Jerusalem church in her infancy. That was... Part of the description God gave when he married Israel. So, Ezekiel 16. Let's go there. Let me just read only from verse 14. Take time to read some of these uh, passages for yourself. Ezekiel 16, verse 14. God says, You became famous for your beauty. I'm reading from the easy to read translation. You became famous for your beauty. All because I made you so lovely. This is what the Lord God said. But you began to trust in your beauty. You used the good name you had and became unfaithful to me. Are you getting that? Or translation say you became a harlot or a whore. You acted like a prostitute with every man who passed by. You gave yourself to all them, to them all. Six sin. You took your beautiful clothes, used them to decorate your places for worship. And you acted like a prostitute there. You gave yourself to every man who came by. 
Then you took your beautiful jewelry that I gave you, and you used the gold and silver to make statues for men. And you had sex with them too. Then you took the beautiful clothes and made clothes for these statues. You took the beautiful and incense, and the perfume and incense I gave you, and put it in front of those idols. I gave you bread, only an oil, but you gave that food to your idols. You offered them a sweet smelling or smell to please, to please your false gods. You acted like a prostitute with those false gods. This is what the Lord God said. Praise the living God. Now this passage is about Israel. So if you go to verse 1 and 2, you get that. Amen? Look at it, verse 1 and 2 of the same Ezekiel 16. He said, the word of the Lord came to me and he said, Son of man, tell the people of Jerusalem about the terrible things they have done. Is it carried there? So, the whole of Ezekiel 16 was describing the fallen state of the church, which we call Israel then. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Now God is saying, all of the glory I give to you, you invested it in the world. And of course, that is what is going on today. We pray for success. But where do we invest our resources? What do we do with them? Hallelujah. God blesses you, you end up turning around and using those same blessings to do something else that is contrary to the mind of God. The point is, success in God's kingdom is meant for God's kingdom. Amen. I pray some of you be around on Sunday and I will just share with my brother this afternoon, Pastor Sass. And I'm going to make you see what the Lord made me to see from that unjust steward in the book of Luke. Which God called wisdom. Because you see, you, you, God bless you. You come to the Lord and God said, He was speaking to Abraham, say, I'm going to bless you that you may be a blessing. Is that alright? But you see, God blesses us and we turn around and use the same blessing to work against God. We idolize the blessings. Hallelujah. Okay. So, this was about Israel. So this was God confronting Jerusalem with our disturbable practices. It was Jerusalem who had acted the part of what? Of the prostitute. Is that okay? Now look at verse 29, or 20 to 29. The same passage of Ezekiel 16, verse 26 to 29. Let me just read something there. Look at what it says. Then you went to Egypt, your neighbor, that is always ready for sex. With more and more sexual sin, you made me angry. Was he talking about a physical thing? No. Are you getting that? But he describing the association of Jerusalem with Egypt. God is saying, be a separate, and then I'll be your God. But this union with Egypt, God called fornication. He calls adultery. Look at the next thing, verse 27. So I punished you. I took away part of your land. I let your enemies, the daughters of the Philistines, do what they wanted to you. Even they were shocked at the evil things they did. I mean, evil things you did. Verse 28. Then you went to have sex with Assyria. You could not get enough. You were never satisfied. Verse 29. So you turned to Canaan. 
and then to Babylonians. And still you were not satisfied. You were so weak. You let those men cause you to sin. You acted just like a prostitute who wants to be the one in control. This is what the Lord God said. Hallelujah. Are you following the picture? So this is Israel affiliating, or how do I put it now? Getting into a union, you know, playing games, let me put it, with other nations. And God said, you are acting the prostitute. Don't forget where we are coming from. We are talking about mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. And remember, when you use the word murder, you mean you are bringing forth other offsprings who are just exactly like you. Praise God. And that's what the church is doing today. We are so corrupted. I mean, from hell to toe. And we are reproducing ourselves, multiplying ourselves in that dimension. Joining Fellowship with all manner of things and doctrines and belief systems that have nothing to do with the word of God. Hallelujah. Just turn to the book of Hosea chapter number one. Hosea chapter number one. Let me read from verse two. Oh, I can say one and two as the case may be. Look at what he says. This is the last message that came to Hosea, son of Beryl, during the time that Uzziah, Jonathan, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah, and Je- Jeroboam, son of Josiah, or Joash, was king of Israel. This was the Lord's first message to Hosea. The Lord said, go marry a prostitute who has had children as a result of her prostitution. Do this because the people in this country have acted like prostitutes. They have been unfaithful to the Lord. Amen. You together. So when God asked Prophet Hosea to go and marry a prostitute, he wanted to illustrate what Israel had done unto him. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Now, he wanted Israel to feel the pain. How can a prophet of God go and marry a prostitute that already have children? And it's like saying, God, why will you do this? God said, that's exactly what you've done to me. Hallelujah. I have you as my priest on the face of the earth, as a nation. Out of you, I raised the priesthood, the Levitical order. But you have left the true worship, and now you are joining yourself to other nations. Remember what we read in the book of Ezekiel. We went to Egypt, we went to Canaan, we went to Assyria. And God said, you do this, let them feel the pain, and that they can see precisely what I feel. Amen? Hallelujah. The language of prostitution, actually, also can be used, or was also used for the nation of Nineveh. You can read the book of Nahum. Nahum 3, from verse 1, and then up to verse, verse 5. Okay? You can read that. Just write it down. So here we're talking about Nineveh, which was the capital of Assyria Empire. The book of Nahum, chapter 3. Nahum, chapter 3, 1 to 5. You can get that. Praise the Lord. All right. So now let's quickly look at the New Testament. 
and they will finish up. We may not be able to finish with this tonight. But let me just read this passage. I read this before, but let me read it again. Mighty 12. Looking at the New Testament. Mighty 12, 38. Praise God. Then Sadi of the scribes and of Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we will see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and industrial generation seeketh after his sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Amen. Evil and what? Adulterous generation. Like I said before, the word adulterous here means faithlessness. So in the first place, you come to realize that if God is doing some things and manifesting His glory and His power before you, and you can stay in faith and you want to trust other things to be able to keep going, you are actually practicing what? Prostitution against God. Praise the living God. Are you there? Okay. Now, so if we go back to Revelation 17, which we're dealing with, and you have to compare it to Ezekiel 16, you find they are on a parallel line. They are just on the same line. That's what I mean. Every symbol you find in the book of Revelation, you can locate in Ezekiel 16. Amen? So back again to Revelation 17. And then um, you're going to write down a few things as we just read on. I'll just show you the things you need to compare. So number one, Ezekiel, I mean, Revelation 17, verse 1 says, And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vows and talked with me, saying, Come unto me, come me, then I'll show you, show unto thee the judgment of the great hall that seated upon many waters. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have made drunk with the wine of a fornication. Now if you look at Ezekiel 16 verse 15, just write it in comparison. You'll find that Jerusalem played a harlot with the nations. Amen. Jerusalem played the harlot with the nations in Ezekiel 16 verse 15. Part of what we read before. Praise the Lord. Now verse 3 of Revelation 17. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman seated upon the scalar colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven hairs and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet colored and decked with gold and precious stones and pears, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. If you want to compare this, you look at Ezekiel 16 verse 12. You see the same principle. God dressed Jerusalem with precious stones and costly raiment, placed a crown on her head, and she succeeded to become a kind of royalty. Ezekiel 16, 12. The same picture. You find time again to read Isaiah 3, Jeremiah 4, verse 30. You see how God dressed Jerusalem. Supposedly to be her bride. I mean his bride. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Look at verse 5 of Revelation 17. And upon her fire was written, or was the name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth. Verse 6. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints, now this is important, and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Praise the living God. 
Now I want you to flip very quickly to chapter 17 of Revelation. And I look at verse 16. I want to show you something there. This is very, very significant. Praise the Lord. Chapter 17, verse 16 of Revelation. Look at what he says. And the ten which I saw it are the beasts. They shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Hmm? Now, I'm not going to find time here to explain all of this, but I want to show you what is going to happen to the harlot and why it has to happen that way. What does it mean to burn with fire? Go with me to Leviticus chapter 21. Leviticus 21. Why must she be born with fire? This hallowed. 21 verse 9. Are you there with me? The Bible says, And the daughter of any priest, if she profanes herself by playing the whore, she profaned her father, she must be born with what? With fire. That's the rule. Are you getting this now? So Israel was morally like, not just a priestly nation, but a daughter of a priest. And they've gone into harlotry. So what's the next thing? They've got to be burnt with fire. Praise the living God. Because they were seen as a priestly nation. Is that okay? But he said the daughter of a priest, if she committed harlotry, she must be burnt. And so that's what we're reading in verse 16 of Revelation 17. Can you get it? Hey, are we together? Good. So he's saying this mystery Babylon that have committed this fornication, she's going to be burnt with what? With fire. Why? Because she was supposed to be a daughter of what? Of a priest. A priestly nation. The Bible says you are a royal priesthood. Did he say so? Good. Praise the living God. Okay, so you find the same picture here in the book of Ezekiel 16. Jerusalem former lovers stripped her and leave her naked. Like we find before in Ezekiel 16. The same lovers, the Egyptians, the Assyrians, name it. The Bible says they stripped her naked. And that is why you are seeing now in Revelation 17, verse number 16. All describing mystery Babylon. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's just five minutes more to talk on Revelation 18. Revelation 18. Just go back to Revelation 18 or move on to Revelation 18. Let me just say something here before we close for tonight. Let me read from verse 3. Revelation 18.3. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the rod of a fornication... Now, if I may ask the question, what is her fornication we're talking about here? The corruptedness. Are you getting that? Good. The corruptedness. The pure virgin church of God getting herself corrupted with the world. That's what they call fornication. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of a rot of a fornication, and the kings of the earth committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are wax rich through the abundance of her delicacies. 
For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of our adulteries. It's from another translation. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her. Amen. Praise the living God. So verse 9 says, When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her shed her logs and see the smoke of her burning, they weep and mourn over her. I can spiritualize this. Let me tell you this. You know, we try to pride ourselves as a church before men. Okay? Either because of the signs and wonders and things that we do. But the Bible is making us understand that when God will begin to deal with the false church, even though... See, somebody was asking me a question a few days ago. But I read on the news. He's a big man of God. How he left the city. And he was in Abuja with the president's wife in the name of prayers. Tell me precisely what they are praying for. Now, we go there all because of what we can get. So we're committing spiritual adultery, fornication with the system of men. There was one of these mega churches. I'm not criticizing, I'm just speaking some facts. That was commissioned early this year. The people that really came there, you couldn't see what you call big men of God. It were the presidents that came there. It's like the mega fest taking place in the United States and Oprah Winfrey is have to be a speaker. What are they offering the people? So when this system begins to come down, because number one, the church is benefiting from the system of the world, the world is benefiting from the church. That's why I talk about the abundance of what? Of our delicacies, our luxuries. We're collecting money from the world, and the world is tapping from us what you call prayer. Are you following what I'm talking about? So this is the relationship. We are marketing the things of God. We are market. How many of you understand how we go market olive oil, market handkerchief, market? We market everything. And make the people believe this is the power of God. So there is this interchange of business or luxury between the church and the world. And there comes a time when God is going to raise His true church. Amen? And it's in the making. Praise the living God. Hear the kind of church that I'm expecting and I'm believing God for. The same time that Rahab the harlot could say, We know that you are from God. And when we heard about you, the heart of the people melted. We know you have taken the city already. They were speaking to the spies that went to Jericho. Read the book of Song of Solomon. The question that was asked, who is that coming out of the wilderness? Fear grip people when Israel was marching forward. Where is the fear of the church today? We are the one begging for acceptance. Begging for prayer requests when people do not even request. Because we have to get envelope after we finish praying. That's a hollow tree that the church is today. But God is saying there comes a time when the same system is going to be burned with fire. Why is it so? Because they were supposed to be a bride. or a, 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 You understand that? The daughter of 
a priest. It's God's word. But I just want you to understand tonight. Must continue next week. The point is when you read about Babylon, you're talking about an evil nation. Is that okay? It's not talking about Babylon somewhere, you know, as a nation, people say Syria or whatever. It's not dealing with that. And when you talk about halotry, it's you trading the things of God for the things of the world. It's you becoming unfaithful in your commitment to God. At that level, you are committing spiritual halotry before God. God bless his word into your heart. I'll see you next week.